Hello and welcome to the debut episode of the Carnage Report, where we hope to bring you the latest on all things horror related, keeping you up to date with news you can use. My name is Nick Spasic. And I'm Julie Holland. And uh, welcome. Um, for this first episode, I think we're going to we're going to start out things a little bit differently and introduce ourselves and like our history with horror, what we do, what we're hoping to do with the podcast. Um, Julie, you want to go first? Sure. Um, and my history with horror is I grew up watching it. It's something that my dad and I used to share as a child of divorced parents. It was every other weekend with my dad and we would just rent the stack of like the limit of five movies. It would always be horror movies. It would often be uh, tiny monsters, puppet master, critters, ghoulies, all that stuff. Um, on the other hand, my mom was a big horror reader. So she used to pass me all of her horror books at way too young of an age. So, you know, I read Gerald's Game in middle school. So I am broken. <laughs> and then I just, you know, it's something that I still enjoy to this day and have gotten more into recently in the past couple of years because I started writing for Modern Horrors website as well as Downright Creepy website. I always find it so funny, like that every like horror person like has this story about definitely reading Stephen King at too young an age. Um, yeah. I think I read needful things when I was like 11. Yeah. Um, and that was my thing. Like I was like, I read like lots of scary books growing up, like reading John Belair's and stuff like that. And like getting started on, you know, spooky kid stuff and watching uh, things like the monster squad and everything. I didn't really get like hardcore into horror until like I was in my mid to late twenties. Oh, wow somehow like basically what happened is like got into college like to finish uh and then just started like i needed something to take you know to burn off steam so i just started watching like every bad horror movie i'd ever wanted to watch i'd seen like on the video stands as a kid and just like burned through things although you know like when i was a kid like we like i think i've probably seen popcorn more than most people <laughs> just because it was one we found at the video store and we were just like oh this looks i mean that poster is amazing yeah <laughs> yeah and then i got into like writing about it and all of that stuff and it's just been for places like cinepunks and scene stealers and uh occasionally um like i think i've written for modern horror once and mm -hmm. <laughs> uh yeah, it's just been, uh, it's so much fun, like getting to meet everybody. And I think that's kind of yeah. how we've talked, started talking more was just like finding out like a shared interest in scary stuff. Mm -hmm, for sure. I mean, I think initially we just became friends through being in the same kind of music scene and mm -hmm. then, you know, aged more into horror, I guess, than music. <laughs> Horror you can enjoy from a, a chair more often than rock and roll. Exactly. Um, the the seating's more comfortable. Uh, mm -hmm. There's popcorn <laughs> usually. Yes. Um, now, like the the funny thing about uh, the, the this is this began via like a a Twitter uh, thread, like a, a tweet you put out. Yeah, yeah. Basically, my continual complaints that I couldn't find a horror news podcast that I liked like there are some out there and and they're okay and for various reasons they just weren't connecting with me and the one that I used to like doesn't really happen anymore so 
it's like somebody tell me one is there are there any out there and out of all the horror people that i interact with on twitter no one offered any so we someone said why don't you make one and i said well i don't have the technical skills and i would need a co-host and nick came in with a with a scream gif and here we are and yeah now we're recording this episode and i'm super excited about it because like i mean i really appreciate love the idea of getting to focus on i i was explaining it to to a friend the other night like the whole idea is that like it's so hard to like there's so much back stuff and i feel like that's why there are so many other horror podcasts that cover you know like the history of horror because there's Mm -hmm. always new old things being found but so it's very hard to keep up with the new um and i think this is going to force me to like watch more new things rather than just always go for those comfort viewings yeah same i i watch a lot of trailers because i tend to write a lot about trailers and then i never actually watch the movies even though i want to i'll watch the trailer and i'll think ah that looks good i want to see that and by the time the movie comes out i tend to forget so hopefully this will focus me in and i can remember to watch those things and i think uh like we're going to ask you folks listening to like, you know, make suggestions and stuff like that because there's so much new stuff coming out. Like, I mean, uh, I think we were trying to figure out like what we're going to talk about. And there's, there's so much. The list is long already. (laughs) And we're going to see if we can fit it in. Um, Now, uh, like in terms of what you think this show is going to do uh like what do you think like we were talking about this like when we were doing our our test recording yesterday but like the idea like we know each other but like we don't know each other well right right i mean nick and i have known each other probably 15 years i would imagine i i distinctly remember walking into your former place of work one day not realizing you worked there and just hearing you yell one of my nicknames from the back and being like, who is that? That's the first time I feel I like really remember interacting with you, but that was years ago. And we've been like friends ish all this time, you know, internet friends, seeing each other at show friends, but I think we'll really get to know each other better on this and get to, you know, you really get to know a person when you find out what kind of horror trips their trigger (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think like there's uh, i think that's going to be the most fun part uh is is for like us is getting to learn like each other's like particulars because i think everybody has like their favorites and then they have their Mm no-goes um and um we'll be discussing all of that as the show goes on um we're going to get into a, a segment we like to call New Nightmares, where we do a roundup of trailers new to streaming coming soon to theaters and all the news you can use. All the odds and ends. Yep. We're going to start out by talking about some upcoming festivals. Um, the Boston Underground 
Film Festival is going on right now as we're recording this weekend. Um, and it's got a, a fantastic lineup. Like it's so it's so interesting because like all of these festivals that have been virtual the last couple of years are now like, I think learning that people are so excited about it. They're going to like yeah. this hybrid format. Yeah. Um, you can't necessarily see everything, but you can see um, some other stuff. Uh, you can see some stuff like I watched um, Honeycomb uh, Avalon Fast's uh, debut uh, er- earlier last week and got to interview her, um, which will be coming soon to Cinepunks. Um, cool. Should probably be up by the time you see that. But um, yeah, like a lot of films uh, have been, you know, shot during quarantine and like there's all these new movies coming out and it's so yeah. exciting. Um, okay. Like. I have never been to Panic Fest, surprisingly. What? Yeah. It always happens like on a weekend where I can't get out of town. Like it's because wow. uh, I mean, it's an hour drive for me. Yeah, it is because it is in North. So for anyone listening who's not from the Kansas City area, I live in Kansas City. Nick lives in Lawrence, which is outside of the metro area, but not super far close enough that he could conceivably see the panic fest but that it's not super convenient either and panic fest is put on by the local theater here in kansas city screenland and and those guys that run that build that festival i think this is its 10th year if i'm remembering right and i have been i think every year but except maybe the first one and uh well i didn't physically go last year i I just watched it virtually, which was great. And what's great is the virtual thing worked so well is that they're going to they're gonna do the hybrid and the virtual thing again. So you don't have to live in Kansas City to get your tickets and watch things virtually. Now, unfortunately, they uh, it's taking place um, at the end of April, um, mm-hmm. I believe. April 28th through May 8th. Um, and But they haven't announced anything yet, which was very surprised i went to the website to check it out before we started recording and i was like oh wait yeah (laughs) i saw a tweet that said that to expect announcements this week so fingers crossed i i know just two i can't say them but i know two (laughs) things that are not movies that are special events that are confirmed that i think are exciting for horror people those would be in-person things unfortunately for people not around here but i think I think announcements are coming soon. I think what happened is that they went to South by Southwest and we're hoping to sort of, I don't know, pull some things from there. And maybe that's what's holding up the lineup. Um, Coming up uh, sooner, um, it it will be happening the weekend. This uh, episode uh, debuts is the uh, Buried Alive Film Festival down in Austin. at the seven stages theater um it's always like us i've gotten to attend it virtually the last couple of years and they always bring like i i a ton of shorts which i feel a lot of film festivals really lean into it's like the perfect way to see like embryonic directors before you know they go on to things i mean i think very notably kansas city's own jill six Mm-hmm. The stylist was originally a uh, short, but it's like a great way to discover new things. And uh, a couple of the, one of the films 
they're going to have is what you see next may frighten you the the new film from uh the folks behind the wnuf halloween special which i think is a a a definite classic um what other festivals do we have coming up oh shutters halfway to halloween oh yeah that's a festival that everyone can enjoy because it's right there on your shutter and if you're listening to a horror podcast you should really have shutter i don't know why you wouldn't it's (laughs) It's so affordable and it's just Netflix without the rom-coms, you know, unless now, the rom-coms have monsters. Yes. And it's <laughs> insane. Like what they're dropping, like a bunch of movies, mm-hmm. um, cursed films. The second season is coming out, um, which will feature the wizard of Oz, which uh, should be interesting. Rosemary's yeah. Baby, Stalker, The Serpent and the Rainbow, and Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, yeah. Those are going to be good ones. Yeah. Uh, like, I think they even got uh, Ruggiero Deodato to talk about Cannibal Holocaust, which is going to be a lot. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as Kansans, I know I'm always interested in some Wizard of Oz lore. Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm, and also, uh, the big news is uh, they will have uh, the Devils, uh, the Ken Russell film that like never shows up on screening. Well, oh, cool. Part of it, which makes me really happy because I've never seen it. Um, it's like one of those movies that like everybody's like, you should see. It's like how? Yeah, <laughs> I would if I could. Oh. They, uh, some other notable additions, things that I'm excited about are the new season of The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob. I love those. Uh, I love tidbits of information about movies, and so I always really love those. And all the back seasons of uh, the Boulay Brothers' Dragula. Um, if you like drag and monsters and you're not watching that show, you got to watch that show. It's so fun. And they had just had season four. And all the back seasons have been, they were on Netflix for a minute. They were on YouTube for a minute. They're all coming to Shudder. So that's exciting. Um, the fir- if, if you don't own them, the first three Puppet Master movies will be coming as well yeah. as um, Summer of 84, Rocktober Blood, Session 9, which I think over the years has begun to Love get Love Session 9. Uh, evidently the one of the first films to ever shoot all digital if if not yeah. the first to shoot definitely the first one released yeah and it's i mean i'm a sucker for an abandoned insane asylum situation <laughs> every time i will watch it but session nine i think does it best it's so good it's it's like almost it it's it's so weird that like when it came out nobody knew about it and it's just had like this gradual like almost 20 year <laughs> like slow yeah. burn yeah, I only knew about it just I had a coworker who it's one of his favorite movies. Like he had a dog named Danvers. Wow. And and uh, he was like, you got to watch it. And I did. And I was like, thank you, because that's one of my favorites now. <laughs> so speaking of uh, some other new stuff uh, coming out uh, in June um, is uh, the new Micah Monroe movie Watcher. Um which uh, we both watched the trailer for that. What did you think of it? I'm excited. I love Micah Monroe and that trailer looks good and creepy. It's, it looks so spooky and it tells you almost nothing 
Yeah. But gives you like a lot of atmosphere, which I like, I'm just like, oh man, this is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, I feel like, man, like, Michael Monroe like came out of the gate swinging with both like it follows and the guest. Mm-hmm. And then it was just kind of like this. I mean, she was in like, I mean, she was in the independence day second one, but like, it really feels like other than like, she's in Greta um, and she's fantastic in villains, but yes, that's the one I was trying to think of. I was like, there was another one with Bill Skarsgård. That's the one. Oh, that movie Isn't is. It? Yeah, 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 no, that movie is hilarious because it's, uh, it's yes. Jeffrey Donovan and Kira Sedgwick and like uh, that. I love that movie. I wish more people had seen it. I know she's got like a bunch of other movies that are like in production and development, like they've shot them and things like that. But I, I, I hope that this is going to be the movie that like kind of establishes her as like a star because it is an IFC film. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just feel like I haven't gotten to see her. <laughs> she is like the low key like as much as samara weaving is a treat because she's always so fun micah monroe's like the low key treat like her roles are more low key but in the best way very very good summary now i'm gonna skip ahead because i feel like the trailer for men like it is of a part with watcher like in that it is super creepy and you have no idea what's going on, but it really makes you want to watch the movie. Yeah. It looks like something that the um, very online men are going to be upset about. So (laughs) as a woman on the internet, I can't wait for that, but the movie looks amazing. And I mean, like Alex Garland, like I'm going to say like, I, I, I've enjoyed everything he's done. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, I'm super excited uh, about another very visually appealing film with like a great story. That's super weird. Yeah. And we only have to wait till May 22nd for that one. So Yay. not too long. Um, so uh, Morbius is coming out the weekend. This does, which looks to be like the first like official, like horror movie of uh, at least Marvel adjacent um like i mean venom is a monster movie but it's not quite a horror movie i mean the second one is almost uh like a a, a romantic comedy action <laughs> movie but um jared leto becoming a, a genre icon i don't think anybody saw it no but yet it makes sense because he can be very creepy yeah very easily like it doesn't take him much to turn into creepy so yeah and you know some people find him creepy in real life too, from what I heard. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we're we're gonna get surprised by it or anything. They uh, we were talking uh, when we were first discussing it. Like it's like there's definitely a, a a lot of plot points given out in that trailer. Yeah. Which for those of it, like I'm not a Marvel person. I'm not really a comic book superhero movie person. So if you just told me Morbius, it's Marvel, I would be like, okay, have fun with that. But seeing more of it, I'm like, okay, wait a second. This interests me more. I'm interested because it is Spider-Man adjacent and Spider-Man is my favorite superhero. So I do enjoy Spider-Man. So I think we have time to talk about one more movie. Uh, 
have you gotten to watch uh mariama diallo's debut master that's uh now on prime i haven't watched it yet i did check out the trailer today and it's definitely on my list to get watched probably this week because it looks really amazing yeah i need to find a way to see it because like we got rid of our prime for political reasons. um yeah. but oh man it looks so good it just like everybody like it's strange to watch a trailer and see everybody in it just be amazing. Yeah. And the story seems super interesting. Very, uh, you know, a lot of horror does social commentary. This is very much social commentary and in a way that I think is going to make some people uncomfortable, which I think is a good thing. I think that's what we're here for. Yeah. So, uh- and also like it's another it's it's a haunted university which i i'm always down for a good haunted house movie for sure the uh the trailer gave me kind of like um urban legend vibes yeah in a good way in a good way i enjoy that movie more than i should i think i do too i i think it gets a lot of crap but i think it's fun (laughs) well okay we're gonna take a short break so you can hear the trailer for our feature presentation, which will be the new in theaters film from director Ty West, X. Farmer's daughter, take one. I need to be famous, Wayne. All the best people are. There ain't nobody else out there like you. You know why? Why? Because you got that X factor. Our days of struggling may soon be over. Hollywood, here we come. So this is it. Our own studio backlog. You're looking for a place to stay. Oh, yes, sir. That's one ugly son bitch. And my wife, Pearl, is next door. So I would appreciate a little discretion. better to beg for forgiveness and ask for permission. Would you like to come inside? I'm not surprised. I want to be in the movie. Well, you can't. The story can't just change midway through. If Daddy catches us, there's no telling what he might do. My wife is not well. It happens after dark. inside. What do you think is on it? I see one goddamn fucked up horror picture. All right. So, X. 
X. Um, I feel like almost like we should, like, I really want to drop in, you know, like an X to the Z exhibit sort of uh, thing every time I hear about it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so um, what was your first, this is directed by Ty West, who has done so many amazing movies uh, after his six year time off from like to go do television. Like, how did you first come to Ty West? I think that I saw the innkeepers first, but I didn't register that this was some, a director I needed to pay attention to at that time. So the first time I remember watching something and knowing this is Ty West was the house of the devil. And I, I think I still have some of his that I need to see, honestly. Yeah. Like I honestly can't remember, like, I can't remember which one I saw first, but like, I think I heard of them both at the same time. Like I think the innkeepers was already out uh, mm-hmm. by the time I saw House of the Devil, so it probably would have been 2011. And then, yeah, I saw like The Sacrament um, because I uh, can't remember how I saw that. Then In a Valley of Violence. And now he's back with X after doing a lot of television stuff. Um, were you like really excited uh, like how excited were you when you heard that like Ty West had a new movie coming? I was excited in general. And then when I sort of started seeing the previews, I was very excited because I love I love a 70s period piece kind of situation. You know, I love 70s horror, 80s horror. Yeah. And then to set it in a period seemed really cool. The idea seemed cool. Like they're filming a porn that could be hilarious. Maybe we'll get to see some peen finally in a movie. We don't get, we get more of that in horror than other movies, but other genres, but we still get more boobs than anything. Mm-hmm. So I was in general, pretty excited. It looked like it was going to be really gruesome and it did not disappoint in the gruesome department. It was a, uh, like it was a quarantine movie. Um, mm-hmm. They shot all the way down in New Zealand uh, uh, like a, a year ago, which I find like just crazy that you can take a movie that's supposed to take place in Texas and put it in New Zealand and and nobody's the wiser. Yeah. I would not have known if I didn't hear that or, you know, I think I I didn't even know it until after the movie, as I was watching the credits to get to the stinger, I was like, Oh, New Zealand. Okay. (laughs) That makes sense. I bet this was filmed in quarantine. And then I listened to some interviews with Ty West afterwards and that's exactly what happened. So, yeah. So um, to to sum up the movie, like it's been uh, referred to as Boogie Nights meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, which is, I think, a good way to get people who wouldn't ordinarily go to see a slasher go see it. Mm-hmm. But um, like, I mean, it is 100% like a slasher film. Um, yeah. Per Wikipedia, the plot follows a casting crew who gather to make a pornographic film on an old couple's rural Texas property, but get caught and find their lives at risk and such at risk it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, do, do you want to talk about like the, the actors that are in this film first? Sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, Jenna Ortega is having a year. Yeah, she is. <laughs> It's Scream and this, and they're two totally different roles, which really impressed me. And she'll be Wednesday in this upcoming Adams Family series. She is our new horror queen. I'm fine with that. 
Like yeah. I'm totally like she's fantastic in everything and just mm-hmm. like brings like charm but an edge. Yeah, it's that perfect. Oh, you thought I was sweet and innocent? I'm not kind of vibe. Yeah, I mean, like that's 100% speaking of like the sweet and innocent, but not like Britney Snow uh in this is yes. like I mean, like I say I, I feel like everybody in this movie like g- really gives their all but like Britney Snow is Bobby Lynn like anybody like I was not expecting her to just like it's totally against type and she kills it yes I was full on in love with her the minute she hit the screen I was like I love how she looks I love everything about this character and this attitude and I didn't even like I knew it was I knew the name Brittany Snow, but I didn't think about what I knew her from until I was watching an interview afterwards. And I was like, oh, it's Chloe from Pitch Perfect. No <laughs> wonder I love her because I love Pitch Perfect and I love Chloe. But yeah, but she she disappears into the character. You don't even think about anything else you've ever seen her in. She is that character. Like you're just like there. There are times in the film where it feels like it's very much like everything kind of slips away and it feels n- not documentary like, but you just feel like you're sitting there on the couch, like when they're in the cabin and just like after they've had their first day of filming, like mm-hmm. you just kind of feel you're right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, a spoiler at this point uh, to say it, to reveal the fact that like Mia Goth has a dual role. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, as um, Maxine, um, one of the aspiring actresses, but also as well as the uh, elderly, the woman uh, half of the couple, Pearl. Yes. Um, no idea. Yeah, I, I could tell. Honestly, I could tell that this is a young person and old person prosthetics, but I did not know that it was her. Even like I. I, like I said, I sat through the credits. I didn't really pay attention to that part of the credits because I was like, oh, I know who the actors are. So I didn't even realize it. Yeah. Till later, till I left and was like, oh, OK, that is that is her. OK, because otherwise, why would they put a young person in old person prosthetics? Why not just use an older person? Um, and I, but the funny thing is, is like I feel like her prosthetics work so much better than uh, Stephen Ewer as Howard like that was that was the only sort of thing that really I think took me out of the movie was like his makeup was so overdone like he looked like something out of like a Charles Band movie yeah I mean honestly the way the elderly and I understand that who who they are and why we're painting them how they are but here here's my I'm just gonna get into my my main problem with X, the thing I didn't really like about it, as a middle-aged woman hurtling towards old age, this whole the elderly are gross and terrifying thing is a trope that I'm just over. Like they can be, you know, any kind of they can be a, a, an old person, they can be a bad character, a good character, whatever. They, they don't have to be gross. We don't have to make them all gross all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you can be a scary young person so why couldn't you be a scary old person without being gross there's i don't know it just is like come on now you're you know when you're young you do think old people are gross but as you start to get older you're like come on 
I yeah. still have a place in society. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, that really kind of gets into like what the heart of the movie is about, where it's it, it's essentially about like aging and like not getting the life you expected. Yeah, just like absolutely, like I mean, like that's that's you know Bobby Lynn, that's mm-hmm. uh Wayne, like they're yeah. you know I mean you can even maybe look at it like you know uh, uh Scott Miscuti, aka Kid Cudi, um mm-hmm. uh, as Jackson Hole, like you know he was in vietnam and like you can tell like he there's some haunting there there's a lot of like people not even maxine um to various degrees it's just like everybody uh like just didn't get what they want but i mean like that definitely gets like a little hammered i know that they try to make the Pearl and Howard sympathetic and I mean you do get that to a point mm-hmm. but I mean it's essentially like uh, to, to piggyback off what you said like I mean I think part of the thing about this movie is like like an underlying I don't know if it's a theme or not but it's definitely a point is that horny old people are gross yeah, yeah. <laughs> well and and you know although that bothered me it is it is the point it is the point like it's the point especially for women that the older you get the less society has a use for you the less society wants to see you having any sort of sexual feelings and so i mean the, the what the movie has is that it's very sex positive it's very like all the women are empowered all the women yeah they're in porn it's their choice they want to do it they are here they're happy to do it and they think that it's going to take them to the next level and then but then you also have this contrast of they can only do it for a short time and then they don't matter anymore in that realm yeah and i i think it's even addressed at one point where it's like bobby lynn is just like i'm gonna do this while i can like mm-hmm. i mean people want to pay to see this and i'm gonna take advantage of it while that's a thing yeah uh like the there are like I like the sound design of this movie. Like it, it, it. There's a lot going on that you hear in the background, like the, like the, the moans and things that come in and out. Mm-hmm. But like I, I feel like occasionally it gets really oppressive. Yeah. Like where there's a lot of noise. Yeah. I um, also really want to shout out the gore, like. I think someone gets killed in every possible way, like ways, any way you can think of, they throw it in there for someone or something to be torn apart in all kinds of fashions. Done. So like, it's, it's sticky. Yeah. And it looks real. Yeah. Um, If you've seen the cover of the latest issue of Fangoria, you kind of have an idea about like one of the things that happens. I mean, like, it's not a surprise what happens to Jenna Ortega as Lorraine. Mm -hmm. Uh, But man, like the scene, even if you know that something's going to happen to her, you're not prepared for when it happens. Yeah. It's funny when I left the theater, one of my friends was like, I thought it could have been gorier. And I was like, okay. I mean, sure, I guess they, they could have put more in, but what they what was in there was nailed. They nailed it. And what I really appreciated about like all of the kills in this movie is that they are very that some of them are very sudden and surprising. Like 
there there are a couple scenes that mm-hmm. legitimately like made me gasp. Yeah. Yes, agreed. Um, I won't say which ones because it. No, it we don't want to spoil. But they, there was definitely one where I was like, "Oh, oh, okay, that person's gone." Yeah, yeah, and I, like, and that's one of the things about the movie is like there are all these, uh, like there are fake outs in this movie, like where you, there are points where you're not quite sure who the villain is yet, mm-hmm. or who it's going to be, or. And, you know, there are, I think, folks who like I certainly had an idea of who the the final girl was going to be um, and mm-hmm. was very wrong about it. Um, yeah. uh, oh, going back to makeup and special effects. Uh, uh, why does Mia Goth's like like <laughs> eyeliner never disappear? <laughs> Great question. I thought that, too, after she goes swimming and her blue eyeshadow is still completely on and and this is 70s blue eyeshadow we're talking about this is not modern technology in blue eyeshadow it's a little bit of a plot hole i wonder if it's a plot hole or if it's like a signifier of something that could be too i i think there's definitely like somebody needs to ask ty west about that if anybody happens to know ty west i would really appreciate you um posing the question as to why maxine's uh very bright <laughs> like very shiny uh blue eyeshadow like never disappears yes we we need to know what brand that was <laughs> so um in, in terms of like you were you were talking about this when we were discussing whether or not we were going to cover x but um like what were some of the movie lifts that you saw like well I mean, you can't deny the Texas Chainsaw Massacre of it all. I don't. Th- I think you can see that in the trailer. Um, I thought there was also a pretty strong psycho moment, mm. for sure. Um, I don't. What did you notice? What were um, the like? Definitely Jaws. Um, yeah. Uh, there's some. There are uh, several moments that are like very like Lucio Fulci like. Where, like trigger warning there is eye trauma in this movie um <clears throat> yes uh but like the the thing i noticed most is just like and the thing that i i like i enjoyed this movie but i like the more i think about it like the more i'm like less impressed but i still feel like that opening shot where it's like through the barn doors and then they come out of the doors and it opens up it's like so weird because you're it looks like you're looking through a like a you're looking at a 16 millimeter shot that mm-hmm. then goes into widescreen. And I was like, yeah, that's a that's a great like that just I was like, well, it, no matter where we go from here, like that's gonna impress the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. Everything definitely looked good. I thought I did think the kind of homages were a little heavy-handed in places. It felt a bit like uh, oh, there's that one. Oh, there's one. Oh, did you catch that one? But you know that's fun for some people there were parts in it that made me happy too so some people probably had a lot of fun picking out all the things i actually heard one of the interviews i listened to ty west said i wasn't thinking about texas chainsaw massacre at all actually I'm like, well Come maybe on, not man. consciously but somewhere in there you sure were now would I was trying to, uh, this is the thing I always think about, like when I go see a movie in the theater, I was like, is it really necessary to see it on a big screen? Um, 
I think it, it well, as you mentioned with the sound, I think that you're not going to get that at home as well. I think it is fun to see it with people because there are so many moments where you're like, oh, and that's always fun to hear other people do it. I think you could probably still have fun with it at home because it does have that 70s feel. And most of us weren't alive or weren't watching horror movies like that in the 70s. So you can it still kind of has that home video quality that feels really warm. The the thing I what I feel like there are certain things like the sound, but also that scene where Maxine is swimming. Yes. Like like that is I feel like it would not be nearly as effective at home. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like there's a lot of stuff I missed because of like it being in a theater. I feel like a second viewing, I'm going to catch a lot of, I mean, you always catch stuff on a second screen viewing, but I feel like Mm -hmm. this is maybe one that like at home at like midnight would really add some atmosphere. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, it's definitely one that is worth rewatching if you can see it in the theater i think do it because just seeing it with people is going to make it more fun because it's kind of that kind of movie and also because of the nature of what they're doing they're making porn you're sitting in a theater with a bunch of people you don't know almost watching porn it feels weird it already sets you a little uncomfortable which probably makes you react a little more yeah, there are definitely points in that film where you're just kind of like, uh, dude, how much are they going to show? Yeah, you're like, uh, how far is this going to go? Is this like Skinamax or? And but it never does. It never gets gratuitous. It never feels like, oh, this was just an excuse to show people banging in a horror movie. It, yeah. it always feels pertinent to the plot and and earned, I guess. Yeah, yeah, very much. Um, now, one of the we wanted to talk about another movie that is Ty West adjacent that shares a, a lot with this, which is the uh, new to VOD movie by Mickey Keating, Off Season. Um, because I mean, like obviously, like Jocelyn Donahue mm-hmm. is breakthrough film, uh, The House of the Devil. Um, but uh, I like it shares a lot of sort of like similarities in terms of like it's also doing like a lot of lifting from classic movies. Yes. For and sure. also kind of commenting on like um, aging and like or at the very least ending up with a future you didn't want. Yes. Yeah. Or being unable to escape your past kind of like a, I, I thought. I thought off season, I liked it. I had a lot of fun with it. And I thought it was kind of an interesting take on like genera- generational trauma. Yeah. The things that our parents pass on to us that maybe we don't even realize until we're literally trapped in it. And I mean, honestly, if you want to see like the best, like speaking of like Lucio Fulci, like it is very much like there's a lot of fog. It's very much like the beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh it's very Lovecraftian at times. Uh, oh, and also there's a great scene that definitely is 100% a lift from Blood and Black Lace. Um, the Mario Bava movie is like where uh, Jocelyn Donahue is wandering through a bunch of mannequins. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I recommend checking that out if even if you have to rent it. It's I think it's only for rent right now, which I did in $6. But I mean, it's got Jeremy Gardner and I'll watch anything he does or is part of or adjacent to. And I like Mickey Keating too. So that's a good one too. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, Jocelyn Donahue is 
fantastic in it. It's nice seeing her like in a, a starring role again. Uh, oh, and also uh, Richard Brake um, is in it like and has like a great like scenery chewing monologue. That's yeah. like there it's it's not one you necessarily have to seek out, but if it sounds interesting at all, definitely watch it. For sure, for sure. Uh, and especially like if if you like that sort of 70s, 80s vibe that X gets you started on, it'll it'll make for a nice companion piece. Yeah, it's got that. You, I don't think you really know what era it's set in for sure. It's one of those, we don't know when it is, but no one seems to have a cell phone, so it's probably not current. <laughs> and that's all we really know for sure. Exactly. Well, so those are our thoughts on X and a little bit on off season. And uh, now it's time for I'll Be Right Back, where we talk about the plans we have for the upcoming week. Um, so, uh, like, what sort of uh, what sort of stuff do you have on the horizon in terms of, like, what you're watching, reading, listening to? Well, I'll tell you, I'm the world's slowest reader, so I'm always in the middle of a book that I am have been in the middle of for months. So I'm in the middle of uh, Grady Hendrix's newest book the uh the the tell me the title i know final girl support group that's it sorry so i'm in the middle of that um i don't know what else i have on the horizon what you start and let me think of what (laughs) else i have on the horizon (laughs) uh, yeah uh i'm in the middle uh i have like a thing where i like to have like a short like 22 minute show that I watch while I'm eating lunch every day. And so right now, uh, having worked my way through all of forensic files on Netflix, um, I'm going, I'm starting a rewatch of Disney's, uh, gravity falls, uh, which every episode I watch, it has been like, like, I'm like, Oh yeah, no, this is great. Like, this is, I love this show. I forgot how much I love this show. Um, I'm getting ready to do a reread of Graham uh, McLeod Chapman's uh, Whisper Down the Lane because uh, it comes out in paperback. And then, oh yeah, and then I got a couple of movies uh, via on Blu-ray from Kino Lorber. Uh, they are putting out uh, a new version of New Year's Evil and they are also putting out the uh, classic Tentacles um so, like i'm excited to finally get like I'm, i've seen new year's evil several times and all that but like i'm very excited about finally getting to see tentacles and it's like a new scan so nice nice um so all i can really think of that i have is i, I watched the first three episodes of from because mm. they were on amazon but it's an epic series or is it epics 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 i think it's epics okay epics it's an epic series and i don't have that so I might, I mean, it feels like that might be worth getting it for a month because those first three episodes are pretty, they're pretty cool. It's a weird story. You don't know what's going on. Three is just enough to give you a taste and you're like, wait, what's happening? What's going on? 
And that, and as I'm sure you're aware, Riverdale's back. I need to get caught up. I'm pretty I'm behind. So behind. But, like I feel really bad. Like I have a river, I have a Southside Serpents patch on the back of my jacket, and I feel like I am just like 100 percent uh, posing at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'm behind. I'm really behind. I need to get caught up. It's the most ridiculous show that I spend my time on, but it is. It's like candy. You, you just turn your brain off and just enjoy whatever is whatever craziness they've come up with <laughs> yeah i feel like we've gone far beyond like uh like gossip girl meets twin peaks at this point yeah it, it's full-on bananas i mean it went from why aren't these teens in school and instead they're solving mysteries that the cops should be handling and now they're adults and it's just what's happening i don't it's insane crossovers with Sabrina like um yeah uh makes me like oh that makes me wish I had like so much more time than I do to watch things it's always like that like what am I gonna see yeah it makes me really want to break my rule of because I'm working from home I don't allow myself to watch anything while I'm working because I know it's a slippery slope to not being productive and earning my keep at work and so I, I listen to podcasts but i can't watch shows but sometimes i'm like oh, maybe i can sneak in a riverdale no one would notice yeah i feel like if i worked from home like i would just immediately start abusing that in the worst possible way it's been an exercise in self-restraint that's for sure Oh, yeah. And I'm also super excited at some point this week to uh, I'm going to try to watch The Innocents, which creepy kids. Oh, nice. I'll have to look into that one. That's the that's like I was like, oh, creepy kids. Like, yeah, I'm in. I'm on board on board on board. So that's what we've got going on in the next week. Um, If you have suggestions, um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at report carnage or you can email us at carnage pod at gmail.com if you'd like to make any suggestions for upcoming episodes or just share your thoughts yeah uh, follow us interact with us yeah like uh i i feel like i am constantly on my phone so uh like th- you'll get a response from one of us uh <laughs> very quickly yep <laughs> speaking of uh, socials uh julie where can they find you I am dark humor girl, all one word spelled the traditional way on Twitter and Instagram and on Letterboxd. If you choose to follow me there, I'm trying really hard. That's my goal this year is to really use Letterboxd. So come be my friend anywhere. Yeah, I've given up on uh, logging stuff on Goodreads because I felt like I was judging myself too much. Um, so I am I am there. I am on Letterboxd, though, and uh, although frequently behind in logging stuff, I'm there uh, at From an Inspired. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Nuthouse Punks and on Instagram at Nick Laus Mouse. That's N I K L A U S M A U S. Anything else you want to share before we wrap up? I don't think so. Read my stuff at Downright Creepy or ModernHorrors.com. More frequent at Downright Creepy right now, just due to things. But yeah. How about you? 
Uh, you can read my stuff uh, at cinepunks.com uh, in the UK's Starburst magazine, and where and I write about all kinds of other pop culture stuff as the music editor at The Pitch in Kansas City. Um, so uh, next episode, uh, we will be discussing uh, Sam Walker's The Seed. Uh, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be like, and the nice part is that's currently streaming on Shutter, so you can uh, you can listen to it and watch it before uh, we talk about it, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, feel free to, to share your opinions over the next week or so. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely, I'm definitely curious as to what folks think of that. Yeah, it's a gooey one. <laughs> I feel like we're just going to be watching a lot of movies that are sticky. Yeah. <laughs> now the gooey pod, apparently. <laughs> uh, well, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, the featured music in this episode is uh, Mystery, Mist on the Moor, Gloom Horizon, and Nightmare Machine by Kevin McLeod, uh, all available at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Um. This is so much fun, Julie. Yes, I'm so glad we're doing it. Yay. Uh, Yay. I hope you all enjoyed uh, listening to it as much as we enjoyed doing it. And we'll be back with you next episode. Yay. See you later. Bye-bye.